Hello and welcome to Australian Podcast Awards nominee. (laughs) Cocktails and Roses. I'm here with my fellow Australian Podcast Awards nominee, Alicia Aiken-Roadburn. Do you feel honoured to be nominated? I feel so honoured. We are amongst amazing company and, you know, Usher, it really is just an honour to be nominated. (laughs) blew my mind that this is even happening. Oh my God, I got so excited. I was in my office, like, running about. It was great. And especially to our two producers, Rachel and Ali, and uh, I think extra points go to me, who actually presented the awards nominations package <laughs> and recorded it a week out, so knew the last time I spoke to you and Rachel, but didn't tell you anything. Very sneaky of you. But I'm glad that I got the surprise because I was just... I'm so pumped. Since uh, season one of Bachelor, I have been poker-facing when the first person gets out of the car on their way down to the uh, Isle of Dreams. (laughs) I mean, technically, you know who wins this season, Osha, but... Love is the only winner. Even on Honey Badger season, love was the winner. Because look at where we are now. We are talking about Brooke Blurton's groundbreaking season of The Bachelorette, season seven of The Bachelorette. If you haven't watched episode seven... Pause this right now. Go to 10 Play. Catch up. We're going to spoil it right after this. Right then, off we go. We're going on a single date with Millie. Millie is a a latecomer. I don't know if we're allowed to use the word intruder now that Big Brother's back on air. What else do we call them? (laughs) Late arrivals? Yeah, I like latecomers. Late arrivals. Late arrival. Millie's a late arrival. And Brooke's never seen snow before and takes her to a very interesting room that I didn't know existed. Where is this room? How mysterious. I know, but there's a room where snow falls. It was really amazing. I was also wondering where was this snow coming from? Was it like a jet from the side or was it raining from the roof? It was really quite... I hope that company's making some money off that because it's. I would absolutely... I was about to say take the kids, and I'm like, we're not there yet. (laughs) I would absolutely go there on the weekend. Wolfie would love that. Yeah, Wolfie would also kind of be okay if we spent that time to drive down the snow and actually (laughs) do it for real. All I could think of was like, wow, the energy bills on that place must be amazing. (laughs) I really got to get my brain. I've been watching too much news about cop. Incredible, though. Millie, very sweet. She has seen snow before. And the two of them, how do you rate their connection? What do you what do you make of it? Well, it's so interesting. I mentioned last week, Osha, that I was so excited that Millie got this single date because I think Millie is super attractive. And I think that I, I try and always pull it back to real life and who I've seen in real life that I've noted that Brooke's attracted to. And Millie is definitely someone that I would have picked for Brooke. I just lo- I'm still obsessed with her undercard. So I was really excited that Millie got this single date. I find Millie to be really self-assured, really confident, and she's only like 22 or 23. She's a good match for Brooke. She's a gym manager as well, and Brooke is very, very fitness inclined, plays a bit of AFL when she's back here in Perth. It's, she, is, she is kind of sporty, and yet there's an element of... Um... 
uh, how should we put it? There's a gentleness about her that I think Brooke really sees, and you kind of get that when the two of them are putting a snowman together. And have you ever built a snowman, Alicia? Yeah, I have back in the day, probably around the, uh, what's that? It's at Threadbow. It's like the first run for people that can't ski or snowboard and it takes you up Friday flat, just just to the side of Friday flat. I've definitely built a few snowmen in my time or snow women. They take a lot longer than you think they do. Like it takes oh. it takes ages. Like in the films, they're like, let's build a snowman. Next scene, snowman. You're like, wow, that's awesome. No. By the time you start compacting the snow in to actually get the structural integrity, create actual snow, the amount of snow you've got to go and fetch to make a snow person, there's a lot. Uh, Look, I also noted that their snowman's nose was back to front. (laughs) The butt of the carrot, that end bit, that should go inside and the, the, the little triangle pokes out. Go back, rewind, 10 play. They had it all wrong, but, you know, it's Brooke's first time being in the snow, so we can give her a pass. Hang on a second. How did the carrot get introduced into the situation? Oh, my gosh. This is... Where is this place? Who brings... Okay, (laughs) hang on. Maybe one of the camos had, like, a carrot for lunch and was like, oh, it's okay, guys. Finally, the true crime (laughs) podcast we've always dreamed of making. How did the carrot arrive at the snowman scene? Who had it stashed in their winter? Like, did Brooke pick up Millie that, like, did she go, all right, I've got a carrot in my pocket. And like, if you found the carrot beforehand, like before the snowman uh, situation got introduced, how would you explain the carrot away? Oh, just like when Glenn was about to propose and he was very nervous about having that ring in his pocket. Maybe Millie's been harboring this rogue carrot the whole time. I don't understand. (laughs) All right, this is a mystery for the ages, and I don't know what's going to go on, but the Snow Angel situation was very cute. It was very lovely. So cute. And they... I just really think that they gel well together. And I think that Millie has both that light and shade. She is both confident but quite sensitive, and I was vibing it. And then they sit down and they watch a film. Not just any film. Grease. So cute. And and that... I don't know. Like, is that is that a film to watch? Like, do you want to watch a movie that you've probably both seen 67 times? Also, they most definitely did not watch that full movie. No way. That's a long movie. Unless, you know, the crew sort of packed up and let them have a lovely moment. They did not watch that full movie, Osha. Do you think so? You reckon that, you reckon that, you know, the crew just didn't sit around and all together... The 10 people on set enjoy a repeat screening of John Travolta and Olivia Newton-Johns. First it was the carrot, now it's now it's Grace. Conspiracies. <laughs> also, I picked up some heavy Paramount vibes through this whole... Did you notice that <gasps> Paramount Plus, the mural that they painted in the background is the Paramount Mountain. Oh, my God. Oh, my. Now my mind is completely blown. I've been integrated and I didn't even know it was happening. So they just out of the blue decided to paint the Paramount Plus logo? That was some soft integration. That is some good bill paying there. Look, it's better than Steph suddenly deciding to go to Jimmy's for a Starbucks, okay? It reminds me, you know, that Simpsons episode where it's like subliminal, liminal and superliminal and he's just like, it's talking about recruiting people to the Navy and superliminal is just one guy screaming, being like, join the Navy. (laughs) I, I thought this was quite subtle. Nicely done. 
and gorgeous logo. <laughs> I didn't realise it until you just told me. Okay, so look at you. Look at you, new new owners of our company. Very clever. You've incepted me. Now suddenly, all of a sudden, I'm like, now I want to watch Grease. How am I going to watch Grease? Oh, it's available on Paramount+. Now. Plus. Wow. <laughs> Which, by the way, we already have, and um, we pay for it, and is really quite good. Like, we pay for it, even though they did send me an offer code, but I didn't figure out how to use it, so I accidentally started paying for it. Anyway. I do want to watch Grace. And I also was really, I was, I was really hoping, Millie asks Brooke whether she knows the lyrics to the songs, and I was, like, so keen for Brooke to just crack out into, like, summer lovers. <laughs> I'm not going to continue that for we will we will be denominated from the podcast awards. Yeah, if we start saying that Millie and Brooke go together like Ramalama Kalala Ding and Ling and the Ding Dong, um, they'll say, "Hey, should we do up to up? You're out." It's now only four nominees. Gone. So good. G O R and gone. Well, if we had an Australian uh, Television Seamless Integration Award to be given for keeping the lights on back at Channel Ten. The integration team that came up with this Paramount Plus bit of Contra, I've done a lot of Contra in my time. I've done from on Channel V, I've done some show and tell where you literally just hold it up and go, hey, look at this Nokia 3210. To this, which I didn't even realize I was seeing, that's amazing. I'm very, very impressed. I'm so glad that I could bring that to you, Asha. <laughs> I am. I mean, bear in mind, I did watch this episode while I was riding my bike at five in the morning upstairs, mm. so maybe I missed it. <laughs> we then move on to, and no word of a lie, we, were, we then move on to what is absolutely, hands down, my 100% most favourite, heartwarming, joy-filled, purpose-driven Thank God I do this for a job group date that we have ever, 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 ever done. It was the most joyous, wonderful, incredible day for every single person on the crew to be there. The Bachelorette Mini Mardi Gras. I cannot tell you the vibe on set that day was just magnificent. Every single one of us realized we were doing something super important. So, so important for the people who watch this show. And... From the from the production run, like the nineteen year old production runners who are just move, you know moving crew cars around in the driveway, to our directors, to our network executives, everyone was just they realised that we've got to do this and we're going to do it right. And my goodness, it was just amazing. Like a bit of behind the scenes on this one, you know, when they were putting the date together to do a mini Mardi Gras, because in twenty twenty one the Mardi Gras they couldn't do it because of COVID, right? So what are we going to do? And they did it at the Sydney Cricket Ground with uh, density restrictions and things like that. And it was in- incredible. And I've marched in Mardi Gras before. It's an amazing vibe. You turn up Oxford Street towards Taylor Square. There is literally 300,000 people standing on each side of the road between you and Taylor Square. And there's another couple of hundred thousand people between there and oh, the Horton Pavilion. I've also marched in Mardi Gras and you feel like a celebrity. I honestly was marching down Oxford Street and I got the biggest adrenaline rush high-fiving people. It's just, it's, and Osha, and I think you're going to go here, but I've spoken to a lot of my queer friends who attended last year's Mardi Gras at the SCG. And they, you know, obviously it's a big shift for the parade, but pretty much all of them said it was just as special and really, really incredible experience as well. So fair enough, but it was very still really important and a and a really beautiful way for the community to come together and you know have solidarity and unity and allyship and all that business. And when they were putting this together, I'm sure they won't mind me saying so. You know, they approached the people at the SCG 
the Sydney Cricket Ground is one of the most famous sporting grounds on the planet, right? They approached people at the SCG and they went, someone high up at the SCG just went, oh, no, don't worry, we'll make it happen. This has to happen. We'll make it happen. Just That's so awesome. To get that ground for an entire day, you've got to understand, like, yeah. the, to walk on that grass, this incredibly curated, unbelievably taken care of piece of turf, which they treat so, like, I've done jobs there before. They put basically carpet down before you walk out there. Like, it's, it's got to be kept pristine for game day. You can't get in there. The whole place, and someone up at the top end of the SCG said, no, this is happening. It's important we make this happen. Let's do it. And they pulled every lever. They pushed every button. And my goodness, didn't the stadium look incredible? Like, they could have given it, it to us so... and not turned any of the LED screens on, but the whole yes. thing was lit up. It was amazing. It was amazing. I loved every, like, every so often there would be a shot of you in the stands and you're just, like, clapping. It was so cute, so wholesome. I was so overwhelmed with just joy and just just happiness to, to just know what it is that we're showing, to know what it is that we're putting on primetime television. Because, yeah, the Mardi, Gras, the Mardi Gras gets on TV, but it's in the past it's been on a cable channel, so you've got to be a subscriber, or if it's been on SBS, it's, yeah. you know, it's on a side channel. And to put it on primetime mainstream Australian TV. It was just just magnificent. Two beautiful floats. They were awesome. <laughs> I was so amazed at how much, like, once you guys walked in and you were sort of doing the brief as you do, I guess I didn't realise just how, like, there was so much effort and so many elements of the group date. And I just loved it from them prepping their outfits to their choreography to the float itself. It was so cool. I was watching as a viewer being like, damn, I want to be a part of that. And that just goes to show how, how magnetic the energy was and how much fun everyone looked like they were having. And you've, as someone who's marched to Mardi Gras before, you understand there's got to be colour, there's got to be movement, you've got to be able to move, but you've also got to design a dance routine that can be done while walking. Yep. And it's not easy. And also you've like, I mean, when I marched, I was on the rainbow labor float, of course. <laughs> and you've got people of varying dance abilities. Everyone from me, you know, got, got a couple of uh, young Estedfords under my belt, back did the ride Estedford scene back in the day. Then you've got Anthony Albanese. So you need to make sure that the spirit fingers are quite kept quite simple, <laughs> easy to follow movements. Plus, you've got to be walking. So you've got to cater to all skill levels. And can we just say, Osha, who absolutely shone, Holly, was just, she is a dancer, but she was just so caring, but she was also really committed. And I love seeing someone just fully get into an activity. As a dance dad, I'd call myself a dance dad, and I've been around, you know, picking up and dropping off and all the Steadfords and all the show groups and all that kind of stuff for years now. There's something about the ability, and I, I've, you know, occasionally when your kid goes to one of these schools, they, they let you come and watch what they do once a year just to see how the teachers do it and everything like that. The ability for a dance teacher to communicate to an entire room of people and uh, the way the dance groups are often lined up, the best dancers are at the front, closest to the mirrors, and you know, varying skill levels go to the, to the back line, right? The way that they're able to communicate to every single person in that room identify, you know, uh, left elbow, a uh, second from the yeah, edge, Jenny, Danny, okay, okay, Stephanie, da-da-da, like incredible. And Holly clearly had that patience and time because they, you know, they start with little kids when they're dance teachers. They start with kids who are four, all right? 
Oh, yeah. And I don't worry. I've seen Tiny Tots. It's absolutely chaos. <laughs> like just kids deciding to sit on the ground at like. <laughs> I've seen not, it in the night in the night of theatre. <laughs> and there's a thousand people in there and the kids just go, nah, just going to sit down. But just the amount of patience and kindness that they have. And of course, you know, they're professional dancers. So they can half sideways look at someone doing a routine and then copy it straight away. So. Their ability is so high above everybody. Anyway, you're right. Holly was amazing. But so was Jamie Lee now. Jamie Lee was, she really pulled it together. Will did some good delegating as a team captain. Will did pretty well. (laughs) I've got to say, Osha, the other thing, not to like let Holly steal this whole segment, but she did say one other thing in her interviews that just really struck me. She said, and, and her commentary through this entire show, I have to say, like, I back myself as a bit of a narrator on Bachelor, Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise, whatever show I'm on, good narrator. Holly just really knows how to capture a moment and really speak straight to you. She shares that. She basically talks about the men and the importance of the men getting into the activity and the importance of them as straight allies. And she just captured the mood so beautifully because that's what I was watching. I was watching these straight men just embrace the activity so much. And by embracing the activity, you're embracing Brooke as a whole person. That's really special to me. And I think it's really important for us to note, Osha, you know, taking off Holly's words, how awesome on the whole these guys have been this season. I just think they're a great bunch. And I particularly enjoyed watching them get involved in this Mardi Gras parade. Two absolute standouts for me, just watching Kurt enjoy this. Kurt is just such a wholesome, wholesome guy, and I love watching his vibe, just free of any fear or any judgment or any what's someone going to think of me. Like, yeah, no, I loved him. And, oh, how was my my prince, my prince Conrad? Oh, oh. He's so good. Him in his his huge wig. And I love that he's made himself the queen, subverting gender roles. I love it. We love to see it. Brooks, his king. Oh, <laughs> watching them, because we watched them do a whole lap of the SCG, right? Because it was, it was good. That's also huge. Like, that's a long march. It's about a K and a bit, right? <laughs> but I could see from across the stadium, right? And I'm watching Conrad. I knew he had the big wig on, but I can just see through his body language. He's just radiating joy out of every pore of his body. You can't fake that. You can't put that on. And you certainly can't, well, you can put it on, but you can't put it on for, you know, however long it took him to get around. And by the time it came to do it in front of the big camera setup, he was still just happy to be alive. The guy's like the sun. It's amazing. It's amazing to be in the presence of. Every now and again, we see people like that. And he's just a... He's a really special human being. It was, uh, sorry, my, my, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna he get, was awesome. I'm on the Conrad train and you're going to have a hard time getting me off because I've seen a lot of people well, on this show. Also, my other favorite moment of Conrad's was once we leave Mardi Gras and once we leave the SCG and we're back in the mansion going to the rose ceremony, Conrad's like, I love a kick on. And I'm like, yeah, that's how you know he's your guy. Yeah. That's how you know, Conrad. He's the one to stay close to. When you're out and about, you, you get yourself close to Conrad, you're going to have a good time. Like It's going to be all right. So good. It was so great. And then we get, we get back to the cocktail party, which is the kick on. And 
Brooke is in for a spectacular wardrobe change, which is mind-blowing, which we will talk about in just a moment. This is Cocktails and Roses, nominated for Australian Podcast of the Year. It's not Australian Podcast of the Year, but well, let's just say it is. We're very happy to be here. And we have seen our amazing Bachelorette Mardi Gras date, which just filled me full of joy and love. And the whole crew was so vibed. And if there's one thing that I remember about marching in Mardi Gras, and I'm sure you do too, it's the after show. It's the after party. And boy, oh boy. I don't think they were quite... I mean, my after, when I went to the Mardi Gras, there was no rose ceremony. <laughs> the DJ did play New York City Boy by the Pet Shop Boys at 6.06 as the first shard of sunlight burst through the roof of the Royal Hall of Industries and the crowd went wild and it was pretty good, but there was no rose ceremony. And they all know that's on the way, you know, so the Mardi Gras after party is normally a pretty joyous time, but they all know there's a rose ceremony coming, didn't they? Yeah, so there was this definite shift and, well, firstly, I felt a bit bad for the remaining, the remaining, I was going to call them housemates, and I'm like, also can't call them housemates, big brother. (laughs) Everyone else is back at the mansion and they've got dressed up in Mardi Gras outfits as well. And I would just find it really, it would be a bummer seeing all of these people rock on in so joyous, so like just so incredibly pumped from that experience. And then you're sitting there also decked out and you're like, oh yeah, welcome back guys. (laughs) And then, you know, you've got a rose ceremony to come. So the mood definitely does shift and we're seeing people use these cocktail parties more and more to do these grand gestures to ensure that Brooke's noticing them before a rose ceremony. People have been doing that for years. Are you forgetting Maddie J's getting to know Maddie J? I know, but I feel like more and more this season, like I'm seeing, I guess in previous seasons, I've seen in a cocktail party, maybe one, maybe two big moments. But on Brooke's season, I'm just noticing her going from person to person and they've all got some big thing that they are like <laughs> presenting to her. So we had Jamie Lee this episode with her. Wait, 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 wait. Before that happened, let's talk about like, obviously Brooke saw something going on at Mardi Gras. Because she went, uh, Holly, you, me, gazebo, now. As we know, gazebo is the only place that you cannot see from the rest of the garden. And Brooke, not shy about letting Holly know how she felt. Yeah, Holly and Brooke are getting really, really intimate. I had to say, like, I thought I really had sort of Conrad and maybe David pegged as my front runners. And Holly sort of eclipsed them on this episode. I think that. Brooke is just speaking so, she's so forthright with Holly. I could feel the sparks emanating from the TV. The body language between the two of them, the intimate and how do I say purposeful, like the the way she's planting kisses on her is the intention of Brooke's intimacy. It's intense and undeniable. You know? Yeah, and the kiss is one of my biggest ways that I judge whether it's an authentic connection or not. And the way that Brooke is being so playful with Holly, I think really speaks to the fact that she is really enjoying her connection with Holly. 
And I think we, I think we'll be seeing Holly at the pointy end of this experience. I'm going to call it now. Well, I don't know if Jamie Lee got a vibe of what was going on behind the hedge, but <laughs> as you mentioned, there was quite a forwardly planned moment between Jamie Lee and Holly. I don't know. I mean, sure, we can ask the question: How did a carrot arrive? At the snow date, but when does when does Jamie Lee have time to secretly do arts, arts and crafts time? Does she like kind of find a way to go? Hey guys, has anyone seen the printer cable? Like, how does she? <laughs> Where does she hunt down that old photo of them from like a chic event from two thousand and eighteen? <laughs> how does what like does she just excuse herself and go? Yeah, guys, I'm just gonna. Do my zero invoices and oops a daisy. I might just get the glue stick out. Like, well, how does this? Is it, there's no arts and crafts room in the mansion. She's got some good friends. Oh, do you reckon that's what it is? Do you reckon like, she's she's had to put a word in and say, listen, I really want to do this. Can you help me build it? Oh, yeah. Like in my experience, there's definitely, and this is important for the audience to understand as well, because I think sometimes people watch this and they're like, how does this person get this? And how does that person not get whatever? Definitely if you... If you express something to the producers, if you have a vision, oh, like an outtake from my season, never made it. I was very, very dirty. Obviously, I'm into politics and I wanted to express that to the honey badger. (laughs) I don't think he was very interested, but I presented a vision to the producers that I wanted to do like a democracy sausage barbecue to show him that like this is a part of my life. And they, no joke, got me a full barbecue, set it up with like rolls and pre-cooked sausages so I wouldn't have, it wouldn't have to be too arduous. Honey Badger only had about 10 minutes, but I think Honey Badger really enjoyed my, my sausage. (laughs) You cooked Nick Cummins a democracy sausage and that never made it to air. And it never made it. I'm like going to call 10 archives. (laughs) Hang on. So there's footage that exists. It'd be on a Warner Brothers yes. hard drive somewhere. There's footage exists of you explaining democracy to Honey Badger. <laughs> yes. And him trying to say, well, it sounds like I'd be busier, than, be a one, I'm busier than a one-armed builder in Burke or whatever he used to say. And you go, yeah, but, you know, where on the policy spectrum do you think you said, oh, I think I'd be further left than something, something. <laughs> when I first met Nick's dad and I told him, I, I think I said, like, oh, I used to work for the Labor Party. And he was like, oh, okay. And he's like, divert to the next girl. And I was like, okay, we're not getting married. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Uh, nobody did. Uh, so good. So producers will help you with your vision if it is, if it's a real clincher like the democracy sausage sizzle <laughs> that should be played in schools and i'm gonna get i'm in fact i'm going to hang on i'm gonna te- i'm gonna text dean right now dean who's one of our producers on <laughs> um uh, on bachelor hey dean i'm doing a we podcast need this for socials a podcast <laughs> with alicia ar we got nominated <laughs> Just chuck that in. Australian Podcast Award nominees. <laughs> there is some footage in the vault of Alicia. <laughs> Thanks for your commitment to this. Mentioning that she once cooked a democracy sausage sizzle for Honey Badger, full stop. 
what do you think our chances are of ever seeing this footage? Question mark. We would love to put on our socials. Full stop. Congratulations on Brooke season hyphen. It's amazing, comma. We are talking about the Mardi Gras date right now, and my mind is blown every moment I watch that show. Full stop. Hope all is well. XX. There we go. Done. I am so... Dean's going to come through. I just know. <laughs> yeah. Fingers crossed. Hang on. Let me just... I'll send him a screen cap. Everyone's smiling. Okay. Got it. Why did I do a peace sign? It's like... I don't know. <laughs> 2021. 2021. Uh, right. So, Jamie Lee... Jamie Lee had some help. And I think it... I think it was really beautiful and sentimental. And I liked that she left all of the empty pages for their journey in the future. What a beautiful moment. What a glorious, intentional move on her behalf. And look, if you want to stoke some uh, emotion, you know, show someone a photo of times together were beautiful. We're looking times, more beautiful times ahead. It was good. She played her cards well. I've got three dots from Dean. Oh my God, I'm so, so excited. This would be like on it. Three dots. On it, Rose Wrangler. <laughs> oh, wow. No. I, no, it's long. It's a long three dots. He's really considering. Do you want to talk about subtle integrations? The Apple integration and Ted Lasso is beyond amazing. Really? Oh. And when it comes to a big show like that, and we see are, are all of those integrations actually thought out and actually arranged. Absolutely, yeah, that's so interesting. Absolutely, like that's so interesting. For example, in if you ever have you ever seen Hawaii Five O, the new version of Hawaii Five O. No. Okay, if you no. ever watch Hawaii Five O, every single car in every single frame is a Chevrolet. Oh wow. Just like our Mitsubishi electric cars this season. It's it it's flawless. <laughs> They're good. I'm glad we're moving to hybrids. It's for flawless. <laughs> Look, Jamie Lee's bespoke big book of sentimentality was actually pretty beautiful and I, I reckon it did the job. I mean, what was she trying to do here? She was trying to say whatever you thought was happening between me and Ryan was not happening. Or if it was, it it was one sided. You know, that's basically what she was saying, I guess. Here is where my heart lies. Here is where my intention lies. Do you think it did the job? Yeah, I think it did. I think Brooks being, I think she has had, it, it would be hard not to have doubts around Jamie Lee because it's really, I mentioned it last episode that you can feel really isolated as the bachelorette because you don't have that constant flow of, you know, everyone else has a dialogue with each other where they're able to sort of touch base about where everyone's feelings are. Brooke doesn't really have that. And she's just going off sort of hearsay. So I think she was probably doubting some aspects of her and Jamie Lee's relationship. And I think this is a good, sometimes we need to do symbolic stuff in relationships to really demonstrate. I mean, I just got a ring. That's pretty symbolic. <laughs> Sometimes we have to give a symbol to say, I am giving you something and this real, I want this to convey a meaning to you. And I think that Jamie's really effectively pulled that off. Yeah, I think it really hit reset and reminded Brooke of what the story was, which was, which was good. There's a, when we knew that they were going to be at the cocktail party in their outfits, Melissa Byrne and Carla and I, so Melissa Byrne, she does does all my wardrobe. Anytime you ever see me on camera, 99% of the time, Melissa has dressed me. And Carla Miko does the hair and makeup. So that it's a, it's a, it's a look. If you, the aesthetic that you see of me that is made memes of is not actually how I look. I'm sitting here wearing a flannel and a T-shirt right now. 
So that aesthetic is created by two people, Carla and Mel. And when they said to Mel, look, they're going to be standing there in Mardi Gras outfits and you know, there's going to be rainbows and glitter and everything. She was like, leave it with me. And thankfully, she put me in a suit that says, I recognize that you've dressed up. I'm not wearing, you know, <laughs> tough day at the office. Yeah, I did notice it. It was yeah. amazing. It was luminous. It was. And I had to do some whispering to some people in very spangly outfits, which I should actually ask you. I was talking to James Matheson last night. I don't know if you realize. Let me ask you this. Do you know what the uh, highest selling fragrance at Chemist Warehouse for like the last three years has been? Fantasy by Britney Spears. Surely. Guess again. Uh, Glow by JLo. Oh my God. I don't know. Um, oh, is it Jupe? You're making all the right noises. Gina by Gina Liano. Really? Yes. Wow. The highest selling, I think the highest selling men's fragrance, I think of all time. Is what? Shane Warns. Bingo. <laughs> Really? God, people love... When's the Osha fragrance coming? And this is where I'm going with. Imagine this, okay? There's a, you know, a rose petal flutters across a floor and then a girl blinks and goes, <laughs> you see her nostrils flare and then I walk by, Whispers by Osha Ginsberg. Oh, that's quite nice. Not sure about the nose flare, though. <laughs> Is that like, oh, oh, right, she's smelling. Okay, okay, I get it, I get it, I get it. Whispers. I like that. Yeah, I'm on board. Or do we make it, uh, like, non-gender specific? It's just, uh, you know, it's just a fragrance and men and women can wear it. Whispers. See you next Thursday by Osher and Alicia. <laughs> Just the acronym on the bottle. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Oh, just whispers by Osha Ginsberg. And then it's like, see you next Thursday. That's the... <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the subline. I like it. Now, no word of a lie. Um, Rachel, uh, our producer of this podcast, she's on my management team. And Rachel, if you look in the um, calendar invite for our management work in progress, you'll see some of the items that I have on the agenda. You haven't seen me type anything while we're doing this. Can you see what's on the agenda for us to talk about today? Whispers, but I'm, I am on this. I am on the case. Chemist Warehouse. I am coming for you, Shane Warne. And so maybe when I walk into the rose ceremony room, Whispers will precede my presence. And then I say goodbye to Tej and Steve. I was sad to say goodbye to Tej. Yeah. She was super cool. But she, and again, it's, this is the thing that, you know, for me, I got to remember every time since Tim Robart's season, who it is that I think is awesome means absolutely nothing. It's who it is that our hero is clicking with. And for whatever reason, whatever reason it may be, Brooke and Tage, they've missed each other's flights. Yeah, but they had a beautiful moment. And I think Tage shared some really lovely sentiments in the limo where she sort of basically said that, it's so amazing to see Brooke repping for First Nations women. And I think that that means so much coming from a First Nations woman. Yeah, it was beautiful. Steve, we love you, Steve. You are amazing. You don't get abs like that accidentally. I'm still upset at you for what you said about Luca, but I'll forgive you because you really got into it on Mardi Gras Day and you looked fantastic in those hot pants. So it was a goodbye to them. And uh, that was it. Only one episode this week because of footy. But it's okay. We'll be back next week with more. Oh, I just got... Dean has just texted back. Uh, oh, he, oh, no, just to jumpstart his memory because there's a lot of episodes. You may have... There's a lot of episodes of this show. And there's a... Okay. Was this episode after the late arrivals arrived? 
and apparently Brittany tried to get uh, in on your sausage sizzle. Oh, Brittany did get in on the sausage sizzle. How does he remember this? Yeah. It became a whole like, oh, I think it must have been. It was the episode before the toga party because that was the episode that I left on. And in fact, I got a very high rose for doing the sausage sizzle. So therefore, I was really devastated when the next week at the toga party, I was sent home with the other mean girls. <laughs> ah. And hang on. Yep. And, and the, week, the week before the toga party, you're saying? Yep. <laughs> if we get this footage, that is Australian Podcast Award winner material. Mate, it's going in our, it's going in our, our, our winner's package. <laughs> it's going in our winner's package when we get up and say, hey, we just want to say thanks. Never before seen. Dean is so good. Jeez, he's good at what he does. Dean is now the show. He's one of the showrunners on, on Brooke's season. Yes, I know. Huge. Yeah, he's really good. There's, there's one really cool thing about doing a show for this long. People that started, as we mentioned before, people that, we, that started literally parking cars in the driveway, moving camera cars around when trucks have to come and go, are now story producers. And like, like because it's been 10 years. And it's incredible watching people progress right across the departments and, you know, massive ups to Warner Brothers for always, always fostering that, that movement of people upwards through the organisation. It's, it's glorious. But you don't need to know this. All you need to know is that Cocktails and Roses is a 10 Speaks podcast. And if you missed last week's show, you can check out everything about The Bachelorette this season or last season on the Cocktails and Roses 10 Speaks page on 10 Play. You can also watch us next Wednesday, 7.30. Thank you very much to Ali and Rachel, our producers, Alicia Aiken-Radburn, Democracy Sausage Sizzler. I can't wait to be sitting here in my Whispers by Osha. <laughs> whispers by Osha Ginsburg. It's it just the, the copyrights itself. It sells itself. Like, I can't stand there holding a ball like Warney, but I can be holding something. Probably not a rose unless I pay Warner Brothers a lot of money. (laughs) Working on it. All right. How do we say goodbye? See you next Thursday. (laughs) 